This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, March 29th. Two people were injured Saturday in a crash on Missouri 52. 37-year-old Dustin Johnson was driving when the vehicle slowed to make a right turn onto a private drive, and another vehicle struck the car from the rear. Johnson and passenger 40-year-old Valerie Johnson both sustained moderate injuries and were taken by ambulance to Capital Region Hospital. Bill Miller, Transportation Employee, is Camden Classified Employee of the Week. The district says that Bill is one of the district's shuttle drivers who is working long hours without a complaint. They say he comes into work with a smile, always ready for the next challenge. Congrats, Bill. Camdenton R3 School District has announced the hiring of Jacob Watson as the new principal of Oak Ridge Intermediate School. Watson has eight years teaching experience as well as experience coaching football, basketball, and baseball. For the last four years, he has worked as an administrator with the Jamestown C1 and Cole County R5 School Districts. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake News Events Boating and the Lake Life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. On the ice last night, the Blues come up with a nice win at home, a much-needed win at home. They beat the Canucks, a rare win of late. The Blues have not been playing well lately. They'll be on the road to play in Vancouver tomorrow. Some college baseball tonight. Mizzou Tigers off to a 12-8 and start to the season. They'll be home to Illinois tonight. That'll be nice for them. The Missouri State guys are 12-9 and on the season. They're on the road to play Wichita State tonight. As far as softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers... 19-12 and 12 on the season. They will be on the road to play at Kansas tomorrow. The MSU ladies are 13-13. and 13. They're off until this weekend when they play a three-game series at Northern Iowa. As for the big boys, spring training continues for the Cards and the Royals. Cardinals off today, and the Royals busy down in Arizona. They play the Mariners today on the road. Opening day, April 7th, not that far off. The big NCAA tournament down to the Final Four. That'll go this Saturday. Duke and North Carolina in one semifinal. Villanova and Kansas will play in the other. Mizzou Tigers, of course, didn't have a very good year. They finished 12-21. They hire Cleveland State coach Dennis Gates to be their new coach. 42-year-old Gates took Cleveland State to the big dance and to the NIT tournament the last couple of years. Mizzou has not won an NCAA tournament game since 20. 10 
Yeah, that's right. It's been a while. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin. KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And you can't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. He's hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozark Shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and, of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting The Key with your monthly donation. Part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. Hey, good morning, 807, and it is great to be with you on this Tuesday morning where we are going to enjoy some comfortable temperatures, very comfortable as a matter of fact, as we get into the swing of things. And that spring weather really uh, wants to take over and dominate, although we're still on a bit of a uh, roller coaster ride, if you want to call it that, as far as uh, weather conditions and temperatures. 70 the high today. We'll see some clouds and maybe some showers and thunderstorms after midnight tonight. 
and will drop down to 60 for the overnight low. 63, your high tomorrow looks like uh, rain predominantly uh, uh, for the day in the forecast. 35, the overnight low. 48, the high on Thursday. And then we'll get our weekend all lined up for another nice one. 61 on Friday. Uh, plenty of sunshine Friday. Partly cloudy on Saturday. A high of 60. 64 on Sunday. So some uh, nice weather to come after we get through the showers and the thunderstorms and all the silliness like that. But uh, right now, 46 degrees is where we are in Camden. It feels a little cooler, but uh, we'll take it. 46 degrees on our way to a high today of around 70. Let's uh, take a look at what's happening over there at uh, the beautiful Bagnell Dam, where right now the lake level is 654.6 and the river level is 565.83. It is good to be with you uh, this morning, and we had, uh, I guess, what can only be considered extreme technical difficulties yesterday. Um, Wow. This is something that's never happened to me as long as I've been in radio, and I've been in situations where maybe a station has been vandalized or maybe a tower site has been vandalized, but I've never worked in a situation where uh, I I, I went in yesterday, and so uh, I I got uh, at the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors yesterday at about uh, 7.25, walked in the door. Uh, The door, front door, by the way, was locked, and as I was walking through uh, to the studio, I noticed a few things were out of place here and there. And uh, I normally go in and uh, flip on the lights and then uh, set my, uh, my my computer, my laptop in one of the conference rooms to do show prep and then walk across the hall to the studio. Well, I did that yesterday morning and come to find out when I walked in the studio, holy smokes, uh, somebody broke in over the weekend and... Uh, they stole a lot of things, including all of Bill LaCasse's broadcast equipment and all of the equipment we use to broadcast The Daily Show. So after uh, Bill and Janice arrived, we called the Osage Beach PD. They came out and, uh, of course, did a great job of uh, uh, lifting fingerprints and doing everything that they needed to do. And so we're still up in the air, but we're back on the air and uh, glad to have the opportunity. So... If you wanted to know what was going on yesterday, that is what was going on yesterday. Uh, some folks broke in over the weekend. They robbed uh, SRG Financial Advisors. They stole all of the broadcast equipment for The Daily Show and a number of other things and then just went through, as thieves often do, and, uh, well, they, they destroyed uh, things and knocked things over and pilfered through things, and it was just a... It was just a big mess, a huge, obviously, inconvenience there. And um, more importantly, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you have been uh, robbed, but you feel violated. You really do. And I think that's the way uh, we all felt yesterday while we were trying to figure out what was going on and what had happened and uh, what had been stolen. So uh, I guess yesterday, after some uh, extensive detective work, the Osage Beach PD released the building back into the charge, the care of Bill and Janice LaCasse, and uh, we're going to just kind of go from there. As a matter of fact, I have to go get fingerprinted today. (laughs) That's always interesting. 
Uh, you have to go get fingerprinted after you've uh, worked in a building where there's been a robbery so that they can uh, determine whose fingerprints belong to who. And so I'll be uh, making a trip over to the Osage Beach PD office uh, here in a little while as soon as we wrap up the daily show today. But, uh, yeah, you know, and and here's the thing about it. These people, who, whoever broke into SRG Financial Advisors, they saw some things of value, but then they stole things that were just, in terms of any real value, you know, even the broadcast equipment we use for the Daily Show, you're not going to get that much money for it. And uh, I don't know where these folks are going to try to unload it to get the money. They they did get some laptops and some other things, but you just kind of really feel more or less violated after the fact. So whatever happens, they you know what they say about karma, right? <laughs> and karma will definitely come back around, but no one's hurt. Everyone's all right. Uh, all in all, it was just a, a huge inconvenience, and uh, a lot of folks felt, you know, like, like I said, violated. So we'll get back on our feet. We'll continue to do what we do best and uh, move forward with all of the uh, great work that the folks at SRG Financial Advisors do. And, uh, of course, we'll get the Daily Show back over there, probably broadcasting out of the facility tomorrow morning. So that's uh, more than likely where I'm going to be. But... Uh, Thanks to Osage Beach PD, and thanks to everybody for their uh, concerns. It uh, certainly means a lot. 8.13, I want to, before we bring Professor Jim Paisley on, I want to I summarize this situation because, again, like everything else, it has gone way overboard. So Will Smith slaps Chris Rock in the face after Chris Rock makes some comment about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinka, Pinkett Smith. And, oh, we've got to have uh, uh, people filing charges. We, we have to have investigations, and we have to, you know, it was over after the slap. Because how does it work, boys and girls? Somebody says something about your mom, your wife, your girlfriend. You go up, you take care of business, and, uh, and, and, and life goes on, you know. But as usual, we can't have any lack of... Uh, <laughs> Any lack of uh, overdoing it by the media and everybody else, the, the Academy is looking into it. Will Smith already uh, apologized to Chris Rock, and that's what men do. You know, it's it's a couple of men. Uh, it's a guy who was a little concerned about another guy running his mouth about his wife. So what do you do? If they said something about my wife, I probably would have done the same thing. And we have to worry about charges being filed, and we have to worry about all of this BS. Well... It's over. It's done. Let's move on with life. And maybe, just maybe, when Chris Rock got the taste slapped out of his mouth, it made him realize that, you know, making fun of people, even if you're trying to do it very lightheartedly, is not always the uh, the best course of action. Hey, let's bring in Professor Jim Paisley. We want to talk a little bit this morning about uh, globalization, which is a word I'm, I'm hearing more people throwing around. Uh, so much more in this day and age. And uh, Jim, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. First off, I'd like to say I hate it that uh, bad things happen to good people. Uh, what you do with the key radio and what Bill and Bill Cass and his wife Janice do in the community, I just hate it that this has happened. 
Well, um, like everything else, I know that the Osage Beach PD is intent on uh, trying to catch these folks. And like I said, you, you know what they say about karma. And uh, sometimes that just has a funny way of catching up with people. When you think you've done something and you've gotten away with it, you know, especially when we were little kids, how many, time did, how many times did karma <laughs> come back and take care of business for us? Yeah. So, so there you go. I'm not I, – I, other than yeah. other than seeing how upset other people were, you know, the, the equipment that we right. have is, is replaceable. You know, you can replace the equipment. But to see the looks on uh, Bill's face and Janice's face and Aubrey's face – um, that that was tough, and so yeah. uh, you know, I just tried to keep my mouth yep. shut and stay the hell out of the way. Let the uh, detectives and, and and the the officer do what they needed to do, and uh, just be there to to say, hey, you know what, everything's going to be all right. So that's uh, pretty much the long and short of it for yeah, me. Yeah. I was more upset for everybody else, and and you know, we'll get our equipment replaced and and, and we'll move on, and everything will be fine. So, uh, question is, uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and uh, you know it's, it's interesting you bring up the Will Smith thing and Chris Rock. Uh, you know, again, folks, you know what drives me crazy is the national media is great at uh, at you know dangling a carrot out in front of us, so it takes our mind off everything else we really need to be focusing on. Uh, KB, I don't know if you remember years back we did a show called. Uh, uh, bread and circuses. Do you remember that? It had to do with the uh, Roman Empire would hold the, you know, the uh, have the gladiators up, and the whole idea was keep everybody involved over here mm-hmm. while you're doing all these major things that you didn't want to know about. Right, you know? right, yeah. And I, so I kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing happening today. Well, it's 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 diversionary tactics. You know, they really don't want us to uh, pay any attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C. and other places. So uh, they create things like this as a, as a diversion. And again, I think it was a pretty much done deal after he got up. And uh, whether it was staged, whether I, I don't know, but the, the whole fact of the matter is, is if you're going to talk about my mom, you're going to talk about my wife, you're going to talk about my, my girlfriend or something like that, you're going to pay for it. And, and, and that's just, uh, that's just how, how, how we roll. And, 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 and that's the problem. It seems like we have just... Uh, moved so far away from handling things and moving on uh, because everybody has, you know, their two right. cents worth that they have to put in and everybody's got an opinion. And you know what? Let's, uh, why don't we just get to our topic here this morning and forget about those two? All right. <laughs> Let's do it. So here's the deal. Uh, Putin with his invasion of the Ukraine. It's done a lot more than just bring the possibility of nuclear war to the forefront. What it's done is it has upset the apple cart when we talk about world economics. And this is where we're talking about globalization. Uh, boy, have we ever gotten an education on that this year with, uh, you know, you go to a car lot and say, oh, we don't have any cars because we can't get the chips from China to make the car run. And uh, the supply line issue with the boats off the coast of California. Well, what's happened is we've gone through the, the 20th and into the 21st century dependent on other countries to produce things for us. And, you know, we've done it to ourselves. You know, we found out there was cheap labor out there, and so 
We see uh, components for the auto industry being made in South America, and we see, uh, you know, in China and India with all the electronics as well. And so we've become dependent on this global economy. Well, what nobody's looking at is the fact that this conflict in the Ukraine, where they start talking about, well, Germany, you need to quit buying oil from Russia. Well, Germany's like, what are we supposed to run on? You know, it's it's wintertime here. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. And we're in the same boat. We, we, we're, we're having to depend, to depend on other countries. And so basically what we're seeing is these major powers are using the economy as a weapon. Globalization is a weapon, okay? And what we're seeing, and most of the economists are agreeing now, is that more and more countries are reverting to what President Trump pushed for is America first. In other words, we need to get off of dependency from all these other countries and start looking again at being able to be self-sufficient. In other words, if we need oil, we we have it. If we need uh, uh, electronic components, we need to build them again. Um, you know, I mean, try and find a television. There are no televisions made in America anymore. <laughs> well, we used to be able to do that. Right. I mean, wasn't there a big plant? It, what was it, Zenith down in Springfield? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so what we're seeing is uh, now this war has triggered another polarization from an economic standpoint. And we saw the same thing happen. Again, you know, my history background, we saw the same thing happen with World War One. Prior to World War One. Uh, Europe traded across borders no problem. But when World War I broke out, they found that they faced the same situations that we're facing today. They had become dependent on one another for the products and services that they needed. And when the war broke out, boom, it happened. And so here we are repeating history. We're right there again. And so what we're seeing is is kind of a... a if you will, uh, armed camps, if you will, from an economic standpoint. You're going to have China. You're going to have have uh, Western Europe, mm-hmm. the United States and the U.K., and then possibly India as the major players. So you have to look at what each of those other countries supplies, and do we have the capability of making it ourselves? So the the economists are all in agreement. Yeah, this is where we're at again. And we're not we're not in a position right now to really flex our muscles. You know, you hear hear Biden talk about well, we could put sanctions on China. Well, last time I checked, you know, China is not near as dependent on us as we are on them. You know, just look under your Christmas tree, right? Right. So <laughs> that's that's the concept of what I what I'd really like what I'd like to talk about this morning, if we could. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting in that. I found a, an interesting article. Um, there's a fellow that wrote a, a book. It was it's called The Leveling, uh, like you know you level a, a board, and it was written by a fellow by the name of Michael Sullivan, and he gets into great detail about this whole concept of uh, the impact of the economy on societies. Now, what's funny about it is that. He's an investment banker and an economist who teaches courses at Princeton. And he went back in history. And basically he's saying, what's next 
after globalization. In other words, how do we handle a new world? And when this whole war thing ends, and it'll eventually end, you know, there's going to be a lot of hard feelings. There's going to be a lot of uh, sanctions in place. And he said he looked to, of all things, something called uh, Britain's Putney Debates, P-U-T-N-E-Y, in the mid-1600s. The 1600s, KB. <laughs> and basically, it's basically, you know, he looks at who, who were they and what can their story teach us today. Now, the levels, levelers, they called these folks the levelers, were a part of British history. They were a mid-17th century group in England who participated in debates about democracy that took place in, our, in a part of London called Putney. So they're called the Putney Debates because where they were. And their achievement was coming up with an agreement of the people, they called it. And it was a series of manifestos that mar marked the first popular conceptions of what a constitutional democracy might look at uh, or look like. Now, bear in mind, this is in the 1600s. We're way before 1776. These, these crazy guys, you know, this is... You know, you're talking Monty Python and the Har Holy Grail time, right? <laughs> and so these guys are saying, hey, you know, we need to have an agreement of the people. And they're interesting for two reasons. First, in the context of time, uh, their approach was way ahead of its time, okay? And they spelled out what people want from those who govern them in a clear and tangible way. And For example, they proposed term limits on political office. Now, bear in mind, everybody at that time was a king or a czar. And they're saying, no, you know, there ought to be an amount of time we have to deal with these guys, right? And they said there should be laws regarding debt applied equally to the rich and poor. Because back then, if you didn't pay a bill, they put you in debtor's prison. They literally threw you in prison. Well, now it's a little tougher to pay your bills if you're in prison. But that didn't apply to the rich folks. So they're saying equal application of the law, and they're talking term limits in the 1600s. Now, the second thing they're interesting, why they're so interesting, is the way that this whole thing was countermanded. Uh, I mean, they literally were snuffed out very quickly by the military leader, Oliver Cromwell, and the elites of the day. In other words, they dared to speak up and say, hey, you know, this isn't right. We're living like dogs here. You know, bring out your dead kind of thing, like Monty Python. And they're saying something needs to be done. So basically, they looked at this as a way of trying to level the playing field. That's where they get the name of levelers. Now, basically, he said that this fellow O'Sullivan that wrote the book said a lot is made of the Cold War rivalry between the communist Russia and America. And some want to see a, a, you know, a clash of civilizations now between America and China. But he said, we can go back and look at the levelers and realize this is where you need to step back and look at just exactly, if you're going to revamp everything, you need to look at the, the consequences, if you will. In other words, he's saying that, you know, it comes down to the people. Do the people have a say in how our economy should be run, or should it be the government that does that? And this is where we're running into some problems, because 
Right now, our government is stepping in and using the economy as a weapon. And so when they say, you know, we're going to put sanctions on Putin and we're going to threatening put sanctions on China, it puts us in a, in, in a real predicament because, bear in mind, the people, the businesses are not making these decisions. It's the government. And that's what this all boils down to. So, uh, Do we so- want an all-straw... I was just going to Go say, so, yeah. so, so two things. Um, number one, uh, you put sanctions on Putin and then, you know, try to carry that over if China decides they want to help the Russians. And how literally, um, you know, or, or how seriously, I guess, uh, does Putin and the Chinese take these sanctions? Do they look at them and say, hey, listen, you know what? This is really not going to slow us down. As a matter of fact, it's going to help us gain momentum, and it's going to help us gain momentum because of the fact that our allies, and they have allies out there, are are going to get behind us and want to help us even more. You know, if you've got somebody out there that's trying to bully us or put sanctions on us because they really don't want to get involved militarily, you know, here we are dealing with these sanctions, okay? And how serious are the sanctions and how serious uh, does Putin and the Chinese take the sanctions? That's number one. And number two, when we look at all of this in the first place, as you mentioned, now the government has decided to put businesses over a barrel because they step in and they say, well, you know, it's not about what you want. It's about what we're trying to do in order to convince Putin uh, and, and, and I guess in a roundabout way, the Chinese, that they need to uh, they need to knock this stuff off. They need to stop. They need to get out of Ukraine. Putin does. And, you know, if China uh-huh. is going to help them, obviously uh, that kind of adds two things. But really, in, in, in all seriousness, and, and uh, we'll answer the question here, and then uh, we've we got to jump into a quick break here at the bottom of the hour, but do sanctions really slow things down? Or are they more or less uh, mucking things up for, as you mentioned, uh, businesses here in the United States? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you know, that brings us to full circle back to uh, when you have a global economy, it's one thing for us to say, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and you see, I laugh every time Biden's on there and says, NATO has never been stronger. Well, I'll guarantee you behind closed doors, Germany is saying, you are absolutely out of your mind if you think that we're going to cut off all of our fuel supply in the dead of winter <laughs> to support you. Right. Um, and so, and and we're seeing that across the board. And I'm afraid what we're going to see more of, and what these economists agree, is that the tougher stand that our government takes, uh, we don't have to worry just about, is it impacting Russia? It's impacting you and me. Yeah. I mean, look at the price of gas right yeah, now. Look right. at inflation rates. Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, uh, if we threaten China with, with the same sort of, of economic sanctions, look at what they can cut off from us. So it's, it's the game, the, the face of the game has changed. That's, that's the key here right now. All right, Jim, stand by. We are going to uh, jump in with a quick information break here at the bottom of the hour. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. Chris Schneider with Lake TV and a check of sports and more of this great discussion with Professor Jim Paisley. We're talking globalization on The Daily Show here on Key Radio. I'm 
name's Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, March 29th. Two people were injured Saturday in a crash on Missouri 52. 37-year-old Dustin Johnson was driving when the vehicle slowed to make a right turn onto a private drive, and another vehicle struck the car from the rear. Johnson and passenger 40-year-old Valerie Johnson both sustained moderate injuries and were taken by ambulance to Capital Region Hospital. Bill Miller, transportation employee, is Camden Classified Employee of the Week. The district says that Bill is one of the district's shuttle drivers who is working long hours without a complaint. They say he comes into work with a smile, always ready for the next challenge. Congrats, Bill. Camdenton R3 School District has announced the hiring of Jacob Watson as the new principal of Oak Ridge Intermediate School. Watson has eight years teaching experience as well as experience coaching football, basketball, and baseball. For the last four years, he has worked as an administrator with the Jamestown C1 and Cole County R5 School Districts. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake News, events, boating, and the Lake Life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part through the generosity of our underwriters, like Victoria Station. Everyone at Victoria Station is excited about the new season. It's a chance to see their friends and show off some new products. Misty Atkinson talks about what they've done to enhance your shopping experience at Victoria Station. We're looking for new product, looking for new categories, new information on new categories, new colors, new design, just something unique, something we've not seen, something we've not had in our product mix. So we bought a lot of things we think will look great with what we've already been doing. We added to our nautical product mix. We added to our nautical artwork and furniture and accessories, uh, but we were looking for something unique and, and different. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. On the ice last night, the Blues come up with a nice win at home, a much-needed win at home. They beat the Canucks, a rare win of late. The Blues have not been playing well lately. They'll be on the road to play in Vancouver tomorrow. Some college baseball tonight. Mizzou Tigers off to a 12-8 start to the season. They'll be home to Illinois tonight. That'll be nice for them. The Missouri State guys. Guys are 12 and 9 on the season. They're on the road to play Wichita State tonight. As far as softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers, 19 and 12 on the season. They will be on the road to play at Kansas tomorrow. The MSU Ladies are 13 and 13. They're off until this weekend when they play a three-game series at Northern Iowa. As for the big boys, spring training continues for the Cards and the Royals. Cardinals off today, and the Royals busy down in Arizona. They play the Mariners today on the road. Opening day, April 7th, not that far off. The big NCAA tournament down to the Final Four. That'll go this Saturday. Duke and North Carolina in one semifinal. Villanova and Kansas will play in the other. Mizzou Tigers, of course, didn't have a very good year. They finished 12-21. They hire Cleveland State coach Dennis Gates 
to be their new coach. 42-year-old Gates took Cleveland State to the big dance and to the NIT tournament the last couple of years. Mizzou has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2010. Yeah, that's right. It's been a while. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin. KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And you can't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. He's hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key & Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key & Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and bobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key & Lock serving the entire lake area. Key Radio is a nonprofit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, Please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. Positive programming provided by you on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3, The Key. Hey, it's 837. Welcome back. 48 degrees. We are enjoying a beautiful day at the lake. 70 for the high, 60 for the low. Looks like some showers and thunderstorms possible uh, after midnight tonight. And we'll hit a high tomorrow of around 63 with that uh, rain off and on throughout the day. And uh, we'll hit a low Uh, Tomorrow night of around 35, 48 for the high on Thursday, 61 Friday, and then the weekend uh, all falls in place like it should, as we are happy to have him back with us again, and a great opportunity to talk about globalization with Professor Jim Paisley. I got to tell you, it was uh, you and uh, myself and Bill Mulder on uh, Thursday. The weather wasn't uh, really that enjoyable, but we went out and had a great time at St. Patrick's Church. Uh, off of O Road and Lori, the St. Patrick Cemetery is out there as well. Learned a lot of uh, learned a lot of, uh, of of great history about uh, you and your family. Uh, your great grandfather responsible for uh, building that church, along with a lot of other folks, and we got the history lesson as well from Bill Mulder, who told us a lot about that area. That has probably been one of the best times that uh, uh, I have had learning and having a good time with a couple of cool guys, yourself and Bill Mulder. So thank you for that experience, Jim. That was great. Well, I sure enjoyed it myself. I'm looking forward to when that show airs. Uh, 
it's going to be a good one and a lot of great local history, like you said. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be, be uh, yeah, it's going to be on Lake TV, and it will air this Thursday. I believe we're probably going to do the whole thing. So it's uh, uh, going to be a couple of segments. Our, uh, my, my producer, uh, Megan Albers, who does an incredible job, uh, we're looking forward to getting that on the air and also uh, – uh, just uh, just a, a, a lot of fun, and, and, I, and I hope that we can do that again where the three of us can get together and uh, share some history and really kind of bring that lineage, if you will, back to the folks so they understand. I mean, uh, a lot of the names that you see in that uh, cemetery are, you know, families that still exist to this day here around the Lake of the Ozarks area. So, um I don't want to give any of it away. Exactly. I'll just, uh, I'll just, exactly. yeah, I'll just encourage people to tune in to uh, Lake TV. What's burning? Uh, Seven a.m., five p.m., eleven p.m. And uh, this episode of On the Trail with uh, Professor Jim Paisley and uh, Bill Mulder and myself, and of course Megan Albers, the producer behind the camera. Eight forty is our time. Why don't we pick up that conversation where we uh, we left off uh, going into the break at the bottom of the hour about globalization? Right. I mean, this just really has such a. When you talk about globalization, it is nothing short of exactly that globalization. Right, and you know, here's the thing, KB. You know, I have a tendency to go off on these tangents, and and this is a really tough subject. When you try and, and break it down as simple as you can, so that's what I want to do here. So I want you know everybody's listening to the show and saying, "Oh yeah, this is fun. well and well, good," but how does this affect me in in Camdenton, Missouri, or you know in Iberia? Well, here's how it affects you folks, and this pay attention to this part if nothing else. Okay, if we're looking at now reverting back and saying America first, we're going to make our own products here. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, that puts us on on a, a competition, if you will, uh, with other people that are providing products. And, and like I use the example of uh, televisions, okay? If we decided tomorrow that, okay, let's fire up the old Zenith plant and we'll make our own televisions here and heck with China. Well, here's the problem with that. When we start doing that, until we can make that happen, until we can get the factories built and people trained on how to do it again or how to make the microchips or whatever parts it is, well, the people that are supplying us, knowing full well that we're going to get you know, off dependence on them, are going to jack the price up. So now, all of a sudden, your $300 television costs $800. Your microchip, instead of it costing $1,000, is going to be $5,000. So here is the issue. For the years when we're trying to gear up to become independent again, we're going to be faced with a huge inflation issue, something you can relate to right now. And one set of institutions, the central banks, the Bank of England, the U.S. Federal Reserve, the European Bank, they're going to be in a real bind. Because if inflation is a result of us rebuilding to make things ourselves, then raising interest rates, as they would normally do to fight inflation, would slow down and make it even more painful for people to turn around and buy products. But if they say, okay, we're not going to raise the interest rates to slow down the inflation, well, then we run the risk of even higher inflation. Now, you sit there and think, well, I still don't understand how that works. Well, here it is, real simple. You get nothing else out of the show this morning. 
for higher interest rates to work curb inflation, because you hear about this, the Federal Reserve is going to raise the interest rates. Well, what they have to do is they have to make the interest rates 2% higher than the current inflation rate. Right now, we're looking at being at 10% inflation. So interest rates need to rise to 12% on things like homes and automobiles. So in other words, if we want to slow this inflation down, the interest rates are going to have to jump all the way up above what the inflation is. Now, bear in mind, here's the way it works, folks, is that higher rates cause people to buy less. I mean, if you're going to buy a car at 2%, you're going to be more, more inclined to buy it. But if the, if the rates go to 12% on a car or a home, what happens? You're going to say, oh, I'm going to hold off. I can't afford that. Okay. Well, companies have the same problems. As companies then have to compete for your dollars, you're saying, well, I can't afford to buy a car at 12%. Well, now what happens is the companies look at that and they say, well, we've got all these cars. We need to get them sold. So what happens? They're forced to lower their prices. So as interest rates go up, prices go down. Does that make sense to you, KB? Yes, sir. It certainly, it certainly does. I mean, you've got all that... Uh products sitting out on your lot or uh, uh, taking up uh, shelf space in your store, and uh, you got to move it, so it only makes sense to lower the price to uh, stimulate that uh, that buyer to want to come in and, uh, and take advantage of the low prices. So I would imagine we'll probably be seeing here uh, some things in the very near future uh, as far as uh, ultra-low prices once they go after that interest rate. Exactly. And, you know, I know myself and my wife, when we go shopping now, you know, you we find ourselves being much more uh, aware of the prices and looking for uh, cheaper prices, and that's where you go and shop. Now, think about this. The banks are going to be in a real predicament because if they raise the interest rates, uh, per the government instructions, you know, if they raise the, if the Federal Reserve raises those interest rates, then what happens is that the cost of living is going to squeeze the living daylights out of everybody. And now what they're going to do, and I'm telling you right now, you can mark my words, they're going to blame it all on the banks. Oh, the banks have raised their interest rates. Well, the banks aren't raising their interest rates. It's the Federal Reserve that prints the money and gives it to the banks that set that what they call the prime rate. So if they up the rates... It, the banks don't have any say in this. I mean, it's the federal government. And this is basically history, folks. This We're watching it happen before our eyes. Now, again, I go full circle back to how an economy should be run and to the levelers. Now, the French originally came up with something called laissez-faire economics. In other words, uh, live and let live, let nature take its course. In other words... Government needs to keep their nose out of the economy. They don't need to be messing around with, you know, interest rates and prices and sanctions and all these things. And so, you know, that's the one approach. The second approach is what they called a leviathan. Now, a leviathan is not a competition where you see who can go the longest without washing their blue jeans. A <laughs> leviathan was a book by Thomas Hobbes. And in it, he said that people, necessary, it's necessary for them to come together and have a strong central government to lead them in the right direction. So you're faced with either laissez-faire economics or submitting to a leviathan. 
Where we're at right now is we're under a Leviathan that is impacting our daily lives because of their economic policies. And so this is the big issue. This is where where things have jumped the tracks. Now, prices stayed low because we had a situation where we could go overseas and buy cheap products and get cheap labor. But when you trigger a, a conflict like the one in Ukraine, and now all of a sudden you're talking sanctions, you put the sanctions on Putin, but then Germany turns around and says, we can't afford to do that, and you have China stepping in and siding with, with Putin, you're, you know, the bigger threat, you, you know, on a par with nuclear war is if China and some of these countries get together and said, no, no more for you. We're going to cut you off. And if they do that, now we're going to be in a heck of a predicament because we've done it to ourselves. We don't have the capability to be self, self-sufficient. Now, Trump was trying to get us there, you know, with lifting all the regulations and so on and so forth. But now look where we're at. That's the purpose of the show today was just to simply wake your wake y'all up there and uh, have everybody, you know, do a little critical thinking. Take a look at the, the impact of some of the things that are happening around you. I wonder, though, I wonder how closely people even pay attention to this. You know, we started our conversation this morning talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock, and I wonder if that's not where people's uh-huh. eyes and ears and brains and everything else are focused right now and nobody pays attention to it except when you get to the checkout counter at the local grocery store or whatever it is you're buying and you realize that the price is just through the roof and then people start going hmm what is this all about i i i don't seem to understand i i can't quite comprehend what the heck is is going on here and again it's the federal government it's the federal government doing things that they, quite frankly, shouldn't be doing in the first place. And, and speaking, uh, you know, I, I guess the easiest way to put it is to say that they're essentially speaking for the people. They're saying, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And uh, we're, we're trying to get this war in Ukraine uh, over. Uh, so what do we do? We try to uh, put these sanctions in place. But, uh, again, I I see this as a situation, Jim, where they really don't, understand what it is that that's going on here and and and, and certainly uh they're kind of holding the american people hostage in order to get their point across as to what they want when it comes to dealing with russia and i guess in, in some degree china too that's exactly right kb and you know even biden was was saying you know i mean they know what they're doing they he said, you know, we're going to do this, and it's going to be hard for you all. Uh-huh. Well, people just kind of blew that off. Like, you know, now all of a sudden you can realize, you know, the people that are sacrificing, the ones that are that are taking the hit here are the American people because of these decisions. Um, it, it is. It's a shame. And, and what's what you need to focus on, folks, is, like you said, you go to the checkout line, KB, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to make a say something to that gal checking you out and saying, Good God, your price is on meter through the roof. Yeah. Or, you know, this is ridiculous, you know. Or you go to gas station and think, these guys are robbing me. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's what's happening is we're, our national media is, you know, how many times have we heard them say, oh, oh, well, it's the big corporations that are gouging us to death. Well, the big corporations are in the same boat. 
they're dependent on stuff coming from China and from overseas and, you know, cheap labor in South America. They're, you know, they're not going to eat all that cost. They're going to pass it on. And the reason why we're doing, why we're in the predicament we're in is not those individual businesses, which the government would like you to think. Mm-hmm. It's the decision that the government has made that's put them in that mind. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we have this discussion on uh, National Mom-and-Pop Business Owners Day because, of course, as we know, mom-and-pop businesses uh, uh, have been the backbone for what we're doing here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and I'm sure they're feeling the pinch in a variety of different ways. And I wonder, again, if this doesn't kind of recreate an issue that we've been having, and that's more and more businesses having to lay people off because they just can't afford to uh, to keep them on board based on uh, inflation and these prices. And so, you know, you have to look at all the different aspects of your business, not just, uh, you know, the products, but the people. And if you find yourself, again, in a situation where you're right. saying uh, that this is just uh, ridiculous in terms of uh, you know the the prices. People aren't shopping at your store. You're not making the money, and um, and how does that affect your bottom line? Well, I think it uh, affects your bottom line, but it also affects your overhead and the amount of people you can have on board. So this is this has been a weird couple, three, four years for us, especially with COVID and how COVID's played into all uh-huh. of this and how they've utilized that to their advantage. But then uh, you look at what's going on now, and you have to say, well. Gosh, I hope somebody figures something out uh, soon so that we can try to right the ship a little bit. We've been enjoying so much uh, here at the Lake of the Ozarks in particular as far as uh, maybe some of the freedom from Uh what the rest of the country is experiencing, but it seems like it's all catching up with us now. Sure, and and there there you hit the nail on the head. As much as we will isolate ourselves from from, you know, federal government mandates and all, some of this stuff, we just simply don't have a choice. Uh, When the federal government decides to up interest rates, uh, think of the impact that that's going to have on things like the real estate market down here. Right, right. You know, these things are are huge issues. Um, The fact that, uh, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Smithfield Meats and all that, the people that process the meat are owned by foreign countries. So, again, we're going to have to wean ourselves off of that, have companies here that are willing to do that type of work, and 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 so that we can get ourselves away from foreign reliance. Uh, that's going to be tough, and I don't see any, any solution anytime quick. Uh, you know, like I say, I think Trump was in the big direction of trying to America first, but he was trying to undo things that happened over the past 40 years. Yeah. So that's it's going to be a long haul. Yeah, you're right. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Biden understands business as well as Trump does, and and that in itself is something that uh, I think uh, his administration can use to their advantage, especially you know with 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 Joe Biden. I don't I don't know what to believe most of the time anymore. I really don't because I don't know if he is as genuine as he would like us to believe. And, uh, you know, in, in particular, these comments that he made about Russia, and then he says, well, I'm not going to walk any of this back. That's how I feel. And uh, I, 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 you talk about something that seems like it's almost staged. It's, it's not the slap uh, that we saw in the Oscars. It's, it's the way that um, Joe Biden reacts to things and then acts as though he's, he's genuinely concerned 
about what's going on in Ukraine and uh, how it affects what's going on back here in the United States. Uh, so I, I, I question that in terms of its uh, of his authenticity, I guess, if you want to call it that. But really, it's a, it's an interesting situation. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. People understand and realize, some people, not everyone, some people realize and understand that uh-huh. this was this was coming for a while. This is not something that's just new that they uh, just dreamed up uh, in order to scare the crap out of people. This is something that we have known uh-huh. has been coming for a while. And uh, as is normally the case, we don't prepare until it's... Uh, uh, all hands on deck, you know. Uh, what do you do in a situation like this? How do you as an individual prepare for these things? Well, I guess you can buy in bulk, you know, if you if there's certain things that uh, uh, that you like or, or maybe you just want to have on hand and, uh, and just be ready because I don't think that uh, even with inflation, even with everything that's going on, uh, that, you know, we'll see the end of this uh, anytime soon. This might be uh, one of those times where we really have to tighten our belts, and I wonder how many people can pull that off. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, we've done it before. Under, in the Carter years, I can remember interest oh, yeah. rates got up around 13 and a half, you know, 14%. We'll survive it. But, again, I think one of the things here when you talk about Biden is, and, and this is both parties, Republican and Democrat, the government makes these decisions, but bear in mind, they're in people's pockets. Uh, you know, we when the mandates and stuff came out, you know, you know, Biden would say, okay, well, everybody has to do this, but we're going to exempt these unions or Walmart. Right. And by the same token, you know, when Trump was in there, he's going to take care of the people that supported him uh, by easing mandates on fuel and that sort of thing. So the way the game is played, it's more catering to who's got the most influence in in Washington DC than than looking at it from the standpoint of what impact is this going to have on on Jim and KB and in Camdenton when they <laughs> right. go to buy a like a gas and, and and a steak for dinner right yeah yeah a, a steak that I don't know something that resembles a steak I I don't know yeah. I, I uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Now they're pushing that weird stuff. What is it? Miracle meat? Yeah. Yeah, that and, and that looks to be interesting as well. But I, I'll tell you, I've I've actually tried some of it, and and not to yeah. not to concern any of you farmers out there. Uh, but what I had wasn't wasn't bad. It was a burger, and it, it actually tasted pretty good. But knowing that it was miracle meat or uh, faux meat or whatever you want to call it. No, I'm still going to find myself over there in the meat department uh, going through the the T-bones and the ribeyes when I get the opportunity to do that. We don't eat them like we used to, but maybe every once in a while, Jim. I don't uh, I don't know. So, uh, well, and that that gets into us sacrificing. See, we're going to have to sacrifice for uh, what do they call it uh, for our way of life or yeah, whatever, you right. know. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking. You know, they're eating steaks, but you and I aren't. So, I mean, that's that's where I have a real problem with this. Well, and, and that's always seemingly been the problem. You know, that has definitely been the problem where uh, the, the fat cats up in Washington, D.C. make the rules, and uh, we're all forced to abide by them, even though they're elected by the people. And it seems like sometimes we get some of that stuff backwards. Hey, listen, man, I want to thank you for uh, for bearing with me here this morning. Hopefully the next time we have you on, we'll have all of our uh, 
uh, all of our equipment back and we'll be squared away and set up over there at um, SRG Financial Advisors, where I'm going to probably be tomorrow morning anyway, but uh, we're just kind of piecing it all together and getting it all put back together. And uh, thank you, as always, sir, uh, for your uh, dedication to the cause. It, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to uh, the listeners. And uh, we had a great, uh, a, a great, uh, uh, what, what do I want to say here? Uh, a great uh, a support system, I guess. But uh, we encourage everybody to stick around and uh, get some more, uh, get some some more time to listen to Jim when you get a chance. His podcast on uh, right here on. Uh, 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 TrueHistoryProfessor.com, you can get to it. Right, yep. TrueHistoryProfessor.com. And then, of course, we will, uh, you can uh, utilize the website there as well. I'm sorry, there's uh, something else going on here that <laughs> I'm trying to do two things at once and yeah. I don't multitask very well at all. Jim, thank you, sir. <laughs> and uh, we, we look forward to uh, talking to you again thank soon. You. And uh, stay safe, my friend. And, and uh, hope have a great day. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Professor uh, Jim Paisley there, and I see that uh, our guest for hour number two is in the queue, and that would be Stacy Short. We're going to talk a little bit with Stacy about uh, uh, the meeting that took place on uh, on Friday at the Camden County uh, Courthouse. We'll talk with her about that, and we'll do that after we get into uh, following your, rather our uh, our information break here at the top of the hour. We've got uh, Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source, as well as Chris Schneider with Lake TV and a check of sports on Key Radio. And thanks for joining us here on The Daily Show. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, March 29th. Two people were injured Saturday in a crash on Missouri 52. 37-year-old Dustin Johnson was driving when the vehicle slowed to make a right turn onto a private drive, and another vehicle struck the car from the rear. Johnson and passenger 40-year-old Valerie Johnson both sustained moderate injuries and were taken by ambulance to Capital Region Hospital. Bill Miller, transportation employee, is Camden Classified Employee of the Week. The district says that Bill is one of the district's shuttle drivers who is working long hours without a complaint. They say he comes into work with a smile, always ready for the next challenge. Congrats, Bill. Camdenton R3 School District has announced the hiring of Jacob Watson as the new principal of Oak Ridge Intermediate School. Watson has eight years teaching experience as well as experience coaching football, basketball, and baseball. For the last four years, he has worked as an administrator with the Jamestown C1 and Cole County R5 School Districts. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the Lake Life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. 
Lewis Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. On the ice last night, the Blues come up with a nice win at home, a much-needed win at home. They beat the Canucks, a rare win of late. The Blues have not been playing well lately. They'll be on the road to play in Vancouver tomorrow. Some college baseball tonight. Mizzou Tigers off to a 12-8 and start to the season. They'll be home to Illinois tonight. That'll be nice for them. The Missouri State guys are 12-9 and on the season. They're on the road to play Wichita State tonight. As far as softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers, 19-12 and on the season. They will be on the road to play at Kansas tomorrow. The MSU ladies are 13-13. and They're off until this weekend when they play a three-game series at Northern Iowa. As for the big boys, spring training continues for the Cards and the Royals. Cardinals off today, and the Royals busy down in Arizona. They play the Mariners today on the road. Opening day, April 7th, not that far off. The big NCAA tournament down to the Final Four. That'll go this Saturday. Duke and North Carolina in one semifinal. Villanova and Kansas will play in the other. Mizzou Tigers, of course, didn't have a very good year. They finished 12-21. and 21. They hire Cleveland State coach Dennis Gates to be their new coach. 42-year-old Gates took Cleveland State to the big dance and to the NIT tournament the last couple of years. Mizzou has not won an NCAA tournament game since 20. 10. Yeah, that's right. It's been a while. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin. KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And you can't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. He's hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and, of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting The Key with your monthly donation.
Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. Right back here at 908 on The Daily Show, and we thank you for joining us up to 49 degrees, 70 the high, plenty of clouds. And I was uh, taking a peek out during the break, and it almost looked like maybe some rain was going to move in here. Certainly looked a little threatening, but at this point as we take a look at the uh, the radar, not seeing anything. We are expecting uh, maybe some showers and thunderstorms after midnight tonight. 60 to low, 63 the high for tomorrow with uh, rain in the forecast. Good possibility for rain, about 90% chance. 35 the expected low tomorrow night, 48 the high on Thursday, 61 the high on Friday, 60 on Saturday, 64 on Sunday, so the weekend coming together as we uh, would hope that it would so we can get out and enjoy this beautiful area lots of things going on as a matter of fact on thursday we'll get an update from mindy sales our community events director here for uh, 89.3 the key and the uh, daily show on the program tomorrow ike skelton will uh, talk with mindy and it looks like uh, danny ellison on uh, Thursday as well as Tim uh, Galton from the Camdenton Shed of the Missouri Department of Transportation. Bev Aylin on the program on Friday. And uh, Dave Moppin on the program as well with Among the Dogwoods, his chronicle of the uh, Camden County Commission meetings. And there were certainly a lot of them last week. And we're going to be talking about one of those here in just a moment with our guest. want to uh, spend a moment to say thank you to all of the men and women who served in Vietnam. Today is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. We commemorate and honor all the men and women who fought during the Vietnam War. Of course, a lot of them came back to uh, people who weren't extremely happy with them, spitting on them, calling them baby killers and things along those lines. Uh, But they essentially did what they were asked to do, and that is uh, go over as um, young people and come back... uh, (laughs) come back uh, as as people who had seen probably a lot more than they wanted to see. But to these men and women, we say thank you. National Vietnam War Veterans Day is today. 9.10 is our time. We are ready to uh, bring her on to talk more about, uh, well, a couple of different things. One thing in particular is uh, this meeting that uh, was called uh, a couple of days out last week uh, for Friday the 25th regarding short-term rentals, regarding um, how that uh, is going to affect uh, the Lake of the Ozarks. And uh, we turn to Stacy Shore for some guidance in this area. Glad to have you with us this morning, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Hi, good morning, KB. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so um, if you want to get right into this, I, I, I guess... Uh, one of the things that we need to understand and realize is what happened prior to uh, this meeting on the 25th uh, regarding a judge's ruling on short-term rentals here at the Lake of the Ozarks, something I believe that took place uh, about mid-March that we're we're learning more about. Yeah, I I think that's a super important point to, to bring up. And I think, first of all, the listeners need to realize, like, for me, being in real estate for 26 years now at Lake of the Ozarks, you know, vacation rentals are here. They are the engine, honestly, that drives our lake economy. We don't have an abundance of hotels. Um, there was a lot of the old mom-and-pop resorts are now condominium complexes. So we don't have the, the, the places, the space 
to house the, the millions of tourists that visit us every year. And it's becoming a hot button issue all over the United States because, um, you know, people don't like the idea of someone renting strangers, renting the house next to you. What I would hasten the people that are listening to remember, I mean, I live on a lake for, in a lakefront house and I have a vacation rental to the right of me and I have uh, neighbors that don't rent their house to the left of me. And I can tell you that the people on the right, the vacation renters, their behavior is mitigated by a contract and they can get, get kicked out and their money not refunded on a moment's notice based on their behavior. The people on the left of me are the owners and their sons and nephews and their fraternities. They've been next door. They have been smoking pot by three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh They skinny dip off the high dive by nine o'clock at night, you know? And I mean, so I think that when every time you hear anything about bad behavior at a, you know, with a vacation renter, I would ask, are you sure it was a renter? Because I think it's really easy to pin that. Now, I do believe, without question, I sat and I listened, and, and I know there are stories um, where people have had experiences, just as I've had with my neighbor who's the owner. And I listened to people in that meeting talk about that. So I want to, I want to legitimize those, the things that were brought up by people that have concerns because they're living next to an unruly vacation rental or what they consider to be. Um, but really what I heard in that meeting was just the lack of the police or the sheriff's department doing their job that, you know, they, this one guy in the meeting last week talked about a guy admitted he was a murderer and he murdered people and he was threatening the neighbor and they had called the sheriff's department and Tony Helms was in the room. Um, and you know, he was told that he could, they could do nothing. And so I just say this, I mean, vacation renters, they're governed by the same laws that all the rest of us are. If somebody's breaking the law next to you, then call the police. And that's where I think that it's just important that, you know, people that we start with a baseline on what we're talking about and the necessity to protect the vacation rental industry in our area. It is the driving force in the construction industry here, the tourism industry here, and the real estate industry here. Mm. And those are the three big ones. You know, Stacey, so I think that that's why this. I was just going to say, I wonder though, when when people have to deal with the sort of shenanigans that they have to deal with with some of these people, especially younger people, I wonder if it's just because they don't want to have to deal with it in the first place. And to them, uh, you know, if, if they're a uh, a full time resident here, even if they're a second homeowner and they don't rent their home out. They want to be able to come down to the lake, and they want to be able to enjoy everything that everyone else is enjoying, and they don't want to see somebody's big, fat, white behind hanging out. They don't want to smell pot. They don't want to have to deal with all the rowdiness of people that, you know, I remember uh, what what they talk about. I remember my first beer when, you know, you you see somebody doing something, some lewd, lascivious behavior that people just essentially don't want to deal with it, and I think that's where a lot of it stems from. They're not... They're not, uh, you know, if somebody's breaking the law, they're they're going to call uh, whomever, whether it's the county sheriff, whether sure. uh, they live in, in the confines of Osage Beach. It's just the fact that they don't want to have to deal with it in the first place, and they don't feel as though they have to deal nope. with it. And I think that's where uh, that's where people kind of get their, their wires crossed a little bit. I understand. And again, like I said, my neighbors are far worse than the renters. And I will say this. 
I mean, I have a vested interest in rentals, and I would say this as well. If someone at my rental is breaking the law, if they are doing things that they shouldn't be, I want to be the first call because they become a liability. And so most owners, the majority of owners, feel the same way. So I think that that's a really important. The other thing people need to realize, it was never before the vacation rental industry emerged. This is a party lake. And so, you know, people next door to you, if you own a lake house, there's always the very real possibility that, you know, people share their lake houses with employees that work for their companies, with their family members. So there's always someone next door that may not be familiar um, because lake houses are shared and lots of family, just different people are constantly in and out. So there's usually an assumption that's made, well, that must be a renter. It's not always accurate. So I want to start there. But I also want to give legitimacy to the fact that to what you said, no, I, I agree. You want to live and let live. And if there's just complete chaos going on, they need to call the police. But I just want to address that first. The, the big thing, the elephant in the room, is that right now we have a commissioner, I want to say Greg Hasty, who sets the agenda. And there's a real problem we have in Camden County because there's not transparency. You know, you go into the county um, where they have the commission meetings, and if you look up to the ceiling, there's like five cameras in the room. They refuse to actually, the county, to televise those meetings or, or live stream those meetings. So that's incumbent upon local citizens to do that, to keep everyone who's working at 1030 in the morning and can't make that meeting, which are many of us, uh, apprised of what goes on. A lot of our vacation homeowners don't live here full time, so they want to see what's going on. But the other hard part, KB, that I find appalling is that when you look at the agenda that has to be posted by law 24 hours in advance, it just says code revision. So nobody knows what that means. So the code is a document that's about 275 pages long, right? Mm -hmm. And so when... Greg Hasty puts on the agenda just those words code revision. How do we know what that means? Like, how do people, first of all, even know if it's something that's applicable to them? Or should they take time off work? Is it important enough? That is absolutely unacceptable. And uh, Gail Griswold, the president of the school board, brought up a great point in that meeting. The school district does that well. You know, they produce their agenda items. They live link them in a, uh, a hyperlink. So if you want to be involved or know what's going to come up on a school board meeting, you have the ability to actually be invested and know what's going on. And I just, I hope that that's something that we can change very quickly because thank goodness for James Gohagen, you know, and other, he's the one who basically says you guys need to pay attention. I think, and he doesn't even always know, we're going to talk about short-term rentals. That's a shame. He should know as the commissioner what is even going to be brought up because a lot of times he doesn't even know. So first of all, that's the first problem. Second problem is that the the code was not adopted legally in the opinion of many, many people. You remember the call from Jacob Nushi, and Jacob Nushi is the the chairman of the planning and zoning board. Mm Mm-hmm. Or so the planning and zoning board is appointed by the commission. So that is a board that actually vets your ULUC, your unified land use code. And so 
in one meeting when we were trying, a bunch of us were in the courthouse trying to figure out, we thought the code was about to be adopted. We were told, oh no, that got adopted back in October. But we went back to the October minutes. We went back to any videos we could get our hands on. That is not what appeared to have happened. There was no clarity. That was not how it was put on the agenda. And then to find out, and Greg Hasty said in the meeting, and we have the video, that the, the the planning board adopted unanimously the new ULUC. Well, Jacob Nushi came on your show. Do you remember that show that he came on and he said, that's categorically false. Mm-hmm. We did not know what we were voting on. We did not think we were adopting a whole new code. We thought we had sent it back for revisions. And so we have this whole thing going on right now where you've know, got Greg Hasty and the, the, the new, I guess, new county attorney. It's baffling to me. You have Charlie Maclier, who's now on staff full-time as an attorney. He has land use experience. He owned a title company for over 35 years. But now you have Greg Williams in the room, who's a local attorney who sues the, or files suit, I guess is the right term, against the ULUC on the regular. He's constantly arguing uh, the land use code. So he is the attorney, and I know this because I sunshine requested all of the bills that the county has paid to him. I mean, he submitted. And so the issue becomes with that, he is now, he in the last year, he's the one who's done the revisions to the code. And so to back up just a little bit, I was appointed along with several other people to be a citizens committee to speak into segments of the code that we may have personal experience with. So you had surveyors, you had title work companies, you had appraisers, um, Amron was represented in the room, realtors were represented, among other people. And so you had a really awesome cross-section of local citizens. And at the time, there was a um, Hush Blackwell had spent months and tens of thousands of dollars rewriting the original code from 2004. So we were handed that rewrite. And we were supposed to mark it up, have conversations. Well, then in fairness, COVID hit. But we never reconvened. The only reconvening that happened was one attorney, Greg Williams, and he took Hush Blackwell's code and he marked it up, resubmitted something. So that brings us to the lawsuit. The lawsuit that Greg Hasty is like, you know, kind of freaking out about, like, we got to do something about vacation rentals now. Right now, they're in jeopardy. Well, that was a lawsuit filed by Greg Williams' firm, okay, against a homeowner doing, quote, short-term rentals. And what's so interesting about all of that is that the, the, the verdict did come out in March, but the code adoption that was just ran through that many of us do not feel was legitimate nor legal it was adopted as of effective January 1 of 2022. So this verdict that comes out the middle of March a couple of weeks ago, let me read it to you. Let me just read one part to you. Because Greg Williams' law firm sued over the, the short-term rental. And we sat in this meeting and there are tons of witnesses and videos. Uh, a question was asked by Commissioner Gohagen. 
well, what did it have to do with the code? Like what part? He goes, oh, it didn't address the code. That's not accurate. Let me read to you what the, the verdict, I'll pull it up really quick here. And I'm just going to, to um, it's, it's eight of this judgment. I'm just going to read one small section. After reviewing the code, the related context and definitions and facts of this case, the court found that the short-term rental was not legitimate based on definition. Okay. <laughs> what I want everyone to do this listening is say, okay, wait a minute. So who rewrote the code? You know, who was a part of amending? Who was in the room that day as we were sitting and they're trying to convince us that we need to protect vacation rentals? Well, they passed the torch to Greg Williams, who sued over it. I mean, his law firm, not, I don't know about him personally, but it was his firm. And now, so the question was, and Greg Hasty answered the question, the verdict was based on, quote, a new code. So the question for all of us now, and should be for every single taxpayer in our county, we have a problem. You know, I mean, we have a problem. When was the code? The code was adopted in January. The verdict came down in March. There's a whole year of legal bills from Greg Williams rewriting the code. And now they want to give, pass the torch back to him to fix what he just sued over. Does anybody else think that's weird? Well, yeah, obviously it's, it's, it's extremely weird, but Here's the thing. The bottom line in all of this is you you have a, a suit and then you have uh, a meeting. And, and, and bottom line, what are we looking at trying to do here? Uh, because at this point, it just it seems once again like the county has found themselves in a situation where if they had been open and, uh, you know, what you mentioned earlier about how the meeting was framed, um, you know, we're just going to have a few people show up. We're going to make some uh, changes, P and Z changes, what have you. Obviously, that doesn't sound like what happened. And obviously, now we're yeah. starting to find out more and more pieces of the puzzle. And and here's the thing about this: when is the county going to be open and upfront? And as uh, we all say, we like transparency in government. But it, it seems like rather than than honestly trying to take the high road and be smart about this and put it out there where everyone can see we're concealing, we're hiding, we're, we're not giving yeah. people the full, uh, the full disclosure of what they need to know. And then this is where all the problems come in. And then you wonder why yeah. you have the issues that you have with Camden County government. And uh, you wonder why people are always suspicious about every single thing they do. I mean, most of what they do is probably cut and dry. You get in, you get out, you get on your way. But now, here again, we, we, we bring another problem to the forefront where there's a lot of, uh, uh, how, how shall I say, gray areas that people really don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. All we want, all we want as citizens of Camden County is for the people that we've elected to do the job and to do the job properly. And full disclosure, transparency, let's get this done but get it done right and let's keep things out of the shadows let's make sure that the light shines on everything that it needs to shine on so everyone understands what in the world's going on and there are there are no reasons whatsoever to doubt people and what it is they're trying to accomplish i agree kb and i think that's the the message here is regardless of how you feel about short-term rentals or not it's the bigger picture is we're being shut out of a process 
There's vagueness in the agenda so people don't show up. The, you know, the, the citizens have been shut out. And furthermore, James Gohagen was not even, when they're having this email back and forth, one thing I noticed when the bills were being sent over, because our sunshine's any correspondent, James Gohagen was not a part of many of the emails between Greg Williams, Don Williams, and Greg Hasty. He is a commissioner. But the problem is he is a voice for the people. And it just is very, very obvious. And I can document every single thing I've told you this morning. We have videos. We have the old agendas. It's just incredibly concerning. All we want is a transparent and open government that we can be a part of, a representative government that's been voted in place. But that does not feel like what we have. And I'll say this. When you sit in a commission meeting and you watch the presiding commissioner literally not even know how to speak unless he looks at Greg Williams now. It used to be Charlie Mesclier, who's still in the room at the table. But Greg Williams sits at the front in the front of the, the room and before Greg Hasey says something or when he says something, you'll see a nod yes or you'll see a nod no. <laughs> and if there's a no, it's it's incredibly like I just sat and watched this whole and I've seen it before. But I just hope that people understand this is not about this one issue although this issue is incredibly important but basically you let the guy you know and again is he the one that wrote the definitions that benefited his case i have no idea that could have come from hush blackwell because there's been so many hands touched the revision of the code i don't know where that came from so it would be disingenuous but do we know that it didn't come from him we don't know nobody knows because we've been shut out of the process, KB. So it really stinks. This one really stinks. Because now we want to let him, the same guy who sued the short-term rental right. owner, or not him, his office, let me clarify. We want to let him, hit the, his office just sued. This was his lawsuit. He's the guy who did the, you know, the revision. And then we want to let him fix this right. now. Stacey, I'm going to jump. This seems to be huge conflict. Right. I'm going to jump in here real quick, and we're going to forego our bottom of the hour break that we would normally take because we're getting some callers, and I want to get to some of these phone calls. And I appreciate it, folks. If you'd like to chime in, 573-633-5395. And uh, I believe the caller is still holding on here. Caller, if you're still with us, uh, go right ahead. You're on uh, The Daily Show. Good morning. KB, is that me? Yes, sir. So I think it's important to know that Camden County has had a long history of not having sunshine uh, on their daily business and violating the Missouri sunshine law. This administration and the one previous to that have routinely violated the Missouri sunshine law, and basically nothing happens to them. So if the attorney general cannot enforce this, law effectively, then either we need a new attorney general or we just need to get rid of the law. It is just ridiculous. It's been chronicled by a lot of people, including Dave Maupin. And when the presiding commissioner states that only one person has made a request for a revision, that is simply an incorrect statement because I made a request myself and I know of several other people. So it just, as Stacy said, it does stink to high heaven. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what we can do other than just elect different people. Yes. 
Caller, Agreed. thank you. Appreciate the phone call this morning. And, uh, again, we invite uh, any of you out there to uh, give us a yell at uh, 573-633-5395 if you'd like to participate in the conversation. And, and you know, I, I think that's a big part of it. If we could just get this issue of transparency worked out, if, if everything didn't always have to be <laughs> closed session, behind closed doors, I mean, come on. Right. If, if you want some legitimacy, if you want people to get off your back, then let's let's let let's find out. Let the let the citizens of Camden County, the voters, the taxpayers, know what's going yeah. on. It's just it's it's just that simple. Why does it always have to go down this path? And why do you have to create unnecessary issues and problems for yourselves? I I, I think the uh, citizens are pretty clear about what they want. Without question, and I think that is what is is like I'm gonna. Talk about the commission race. You ha- you have the power. The people have the power. You know you showed that in the vote of the first district commissioner. Now is the presiding commissioner. There's a really important vote that's upcoming in August, and people need to understand it is a big deal. How you use your land is just one small part of it. But now they've engaged the prosecutor's office, and they've given the prosecutor's office through their b- budget abilities another $500,000 to pursue landowners on how you use your land. So now if they come in and investigate, which was kind of creepy that an investigator from the prosecutor's office was in one of the planning and zoning meetings when we were finding out for the first time, oh no, we adopted this. We had public meetings, two of them, and not one person showed up. Those were the words from Greg Hasty. That is asinine. If people would have known, people would have showed. But the way you put things on the agenda, the way that you, where'd you bury it? Which newspaper? You know, you should put it on social media. You have the ability to put it on your website, but you didn't. So the, the fact is here, it is poor leadership. It, it, it's a very poor look. And I think that it really is borderline, if not totally illegal. But more than that, people have the power. So we can change this. I mean, we can change it on its ear. I sat by Ike Skelton, and he looked at me, and he said, if I get elected, I will change this. And I believe him. There will be transparency. And that's, that takes us to, we have an election coming up Tuesday, April 5th. And, you know, here's the deal. I am very outspoken when it comes to school board issues. And I just want to tell you, I just want to say this. When old administrators that have not even been engaged in 15 years come on to attack the new school board that's doing amazing things, Katie, amazing, and I can list a laundry list of them, and I will. But when they, you know, when they rally these the old guard to come in and try to silence those of us that are living the experience, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you just to this point. Right now, the cover up is disgusting. I have a child in the high school and what we've done to kids with the leadership we've had that are getting shoved into something called Horizons, and it's just the alternative school for kids that are troubled and have issues. We're taking kids that should not be there and we're shoving them in for something called quote credit recovery. Do you want to guess what credit recovery means, KB? It means that we have to figure out how to get these kids graduated so our stats look good, but we're outputting them without any skill set at all. Let me tell you something. As the wife of a coach, 
when a kid comes and his grades are so poor that he can't play sports or do band or participate in a musical because his grades are so bad that he cannot engage as a full student and, and take advantage of all the extras that, that keep most kids engaged because there have been horrible decisions from the top and the boards prior have never just seven oh baby seven oh seven oh seven oh just vote with whatever you're told to do. That is not responsible stewardship of our children or tax dollars. So for people to attack the new board that in one year has done more than any board I've ever seen in twenty, that's positive. They've given raises to the classified people, the classified staff. Those are your janitors and your cooks and your bus drivers. Those are the people that are the secretaries that are living below the poverty line. Nobody's ever seen them before until election year. Now you have the incumbent making them their issue. Why did he not do it three years for the last three years? They've been given raises. Not enough, but a great start. Substitute pay. They say, oh, we have a sub-crisis. It's because we've not given anybody a raise in 20 years when it came to the substitutes. This new board, they saw the need. They met the need. There are now raises given to substitutes so we can draw good substitutes. Sped paras, special education teachers or assistants, they were making some of them $11, $12 an hour after years of experience. These are people that get punched and hit and bit. And I mean, they pour their life into kids with special needs, our most cherished children. And they are living so grossly below the poverty line the new board went in this year and some of them met with them personally. They met with them and heard. And you know what happened? Immediately they addressed their needs and gave them raises. We were going to lose them. Not because the new board doesn't listen, but because they could make more money now as a, as a substitute teacher than they could a para. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of issues. And I could go on and on, KB. But, you know, the thing is, when people try to deflect from the real issues and say, you guys, you're running a dirty campaign. No, we will. I will. I want your listeners. Look to me. There will be stuff in the next today, tomorrow, and until the election. We will talk about the votes and why the votes of the incumbent are important. I'll bring up one more topic. There was a policy, BGB, okay, at our school. It was adopted and really hardlined in 2017. And it specifically said no staff member, whether certified or classified, that means your teachers or your um, any, a cook, a janitor, a bus driver, nobody could talk to the, the board unless it was in writing to the superintendent. And let me tell you something. As someone who's married to a teacher, you knew that if you got caught bringing a concern to a board member, you were in violation of a policy and could be fired. Everybody knew it. So this board immediately came in within weeks of having the majority and they got rid of the, washed the entire policy, got rid of it. And as a result of getting rid of it, that's where the lines of communication started to open. So all of these things could be addressed that potentially other boards didn't know about. But here's the deal. Eric Walters, who is the incumbent, he voted to keep it. He voted not to get rid of it. That is the truth. It's documented. It's on video. It's part of the vote. So when people say, you know, you shouldn't talk about things like that, yes, we should. Because the reason that we're seeing so many improvements, so much positive, 
is because now we have open minds. And, you know, yeah, our board meetings have been four, five, six hours. God bless the new board. But what did you say, four, listening. five, or six hours in length? <laughs> there are some long ones, KB. Yeah, four, five, wow. six-hour board meetings. Because you know why? Like, I watched the school of the Osage board, board meetings, 7 7 in and out, hour done. That's how it used to be before this year. But you have a new majority on the board who is so invested and really wanting to fix things and listen for the first time, listen to more than just the superintendent. And I think no matter what, that needs to continue. They should be applauded and and not besmirched because you're running dirty campaigns. No, we're telling the truth. So people can come after me, and I've been targeted hard in the last week, and I'm totally fine with it. Because people that are coming out and saying, you're, you know, you guys are talking about running a dirty campaign, that is absolutely when the truth becomes dirty, okay? When you can't speak the truth because people label you a hater and dirty, and that is just not true. There's a voting record of an incumbent. And if we are not free to share what that looks like, we do not live in the United States of America anymore. Stacey, let we me ask can you, disagree and still be friends. Let me ask yeah. you, what, what, what is the general attitude of the board in general? All of the members that are on the board, I mean, do we have, and I guess it almost sounds like we do, do we have people taking sides, taking exception? Is the board uh, more apt to sit down and discuss issues before voting on them? And and, and i got to believe, you know, that whoever's on the board, uh, depending on the particular situation, maybe, I don't know, is about wanting to do what's right and now you, you mentioned all the things that they've done so far in the last year with giving raises to the people who need them, uh, the cooks, the janitors, the bus yeah. drivers, people. Uh, it, it does sound as though they're moving in the right direction. I'm sure there are going to be issues. There are going to be problems. And, and, and maybe sometimes the board is deadlocked on an issue or they don't vote the way that uh, certain people wish they would vote. But uh, overall, it doesn't really sound like the board is doing that bad of a job. I mean, if they're making progress, if they understand yeah. and realize the plight of a lot of these people that work at the school, I think maybe at this particular point, we're not talking about, uh, we're not, we're not talking about, uh, I guess not, not doing what's right. So, uh, the concern here is, and, and, you know, you mentioned Eric and you mentioned, uh, some of the other board members, um, what is, what is the holdup here? What is the problem with them in general? Um, are they just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not clear on what it is that you're talking about with that. I would just say, I would say this. I mean, and I will say anyone that, that does dedicate their time to a board, they should be commended. And I think that overall, Eric Walters has done some good things for the district. He's very invested in wrestling and other programs that bring a, a great amount of, um, I don't know, it's a kid's vibe. So I don't want to underestimate that at all. So this is not about a person. This is about his votes and the issues at hand. The fact is, I believe it is the liberal versus the conservative mentality, um, such as masking kids. So Eric Walters was part of a board majority that the second day of school in 2020, now keep in mind, they had all summer to decide that they were going to mask our kids and this, you know, set out protocols 
right. um, to let the community know. Again, transparency, right? They had a 7 a.m. board meeting, the second day of school, not on the agenda, which is a theme. Right. And in that board meeting where no parents showed, they voted to mask their kids. And then they acted like, well, nobody showed up. Well, nobody knew. And so our kids were masked. The quarantining of healthy children, honestly, was despicable. Um, you know, so many mental health issues, so much through that, so many parents' burden. And the numbers just never proved that it was legitimate. Right. But they were following the advice of the CDC. So when this new board got elected, the very meaning, the new, they had the majority. The very first board meeting, the very first night, they voted to unmask the kids and do away with the um, unhealthy, illegitimate quarantining of healthy children that night. Eric Walters was the one board member that fought against that. He voted to keep the kids masked and keep all protocols in place. So, again, it's a voting record, and that's his prerogative. I mean, I'm sure that if he wants, he can own that and explain why he did it. And I know what they say, but the point is, in May, Lake Regional put out their numbers, zero positive tests, zero inpatients, in May, a month later. So I think that, again, it's those that will follow the CDC, the federal government, they'll do what they're told, they don't ask any questions, you know, they let everyone else be the smartest person in the room, but now you've got four people on the board that demand accountability, and they want to know answers, and they feel responsible to the voters that put them there so they're not inclined for a 7-0 and i think it's a beautiful thing to see a 4-3 i don't think there's anything wrong with that i really don't but i think that as an informed constituency in a representative government it's okay to bring up someone's prior vote is let me ask and they you need this to own their vote is 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 this something now we've looked at two different two different groups we've looked at uh, the county and now we're talking about uh, the Camdenton School Board. How 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 would you view somebody who's on a school board? What are some of the things that you feel as though that they need to keep in mind when they are voting on an issue? Um, do we look at you know freedom and liberty? Uh, do we look at how it affects the students? Do we look at how it affects the district overall? Um, are some of these folks concerned that maybe? Uh, down the road, there could be there could be lawsuits if anything were to happen, and they were just trying to protect uh, the school district as a whole. Um, how do you see these folks when they sit down? Do they vote with their conscience? Do they vote with the facts? What's what's necessary in order to do this in a way that maybe most folks would find acceptable? I think that's a great question, KB, and that's where. You know, my endorsement for one person is clear um, because he's very strong. And I think that, that it, it's always about the kids. And I, and a lot of people say that, but there are a few people that really mean it. And so when you see that, you know, you're representing the hearts and souls of, of hundreds and hundreds of children that have futures and that have parents who love them but don't understand, when you're voted into that position, it's a very heavy burden it's not a popularity contest. So you have to look at who really looks at the kids and is willing to do the hard work and not just come in, want to be wham, bam, in and out in an hour. But they're willing to read documents like memorandums of understanding and make sure to ask questions like technology and privacy. And so I think that, you know, 
it's a really easy question because everybody always says, oh, it's always the kids, but here's the deal. The new board majority for the first time in years, right now what they're doing is they have cut different things that are really needless, and they are bringing in so many new teachers to cut the class sizes for the teachers and the benefit of the students. That didn't happen the year before or the year before that or the year before that. So what's happening our kids are being harmed, our teachers overburdened, but this is the first board in a long time, the majority that had the power to make a difference. They're coming in and they're saying, because they're listening. Again, policy BGB, teachers feel safe talking to them, principals feel safe talking to them. And so the burden of understanding what's really happening, when you see them going in and saying, okay, we can bring in, you know, eight new teachers, or I don't know the exact number, but a lot. Right. Because they are determined to class size. That, to me, is the mark of a truly good board member. So if you can find a board member, everyone wants to get elected and thinks they understand. But to your point of lawsuits, you don't want a board member who's going to constantly act from a place of fear. Because you're always going to be told, well, if you don't do it this way, we're going to get sued. That's the whole new thing. That's where Greg Hasty, our commissioner, lives under this. You know, the sky is falling mentality, the chicken little mentality. We have to elect people in all parts of our government that are bold, that understand our Constitution, understand what it means to be an American, that, that they will truly represent the people and not get on a board. And to answer your question, another question, you know, and, and God love her. She's been on the board a long time, but we have one board member. And she went to a National School Board Association uh, convention a year ago. There's pictures of it on the school website or Facebook page. She was the president of the Missouri School Boards Association. Remember, that is where Merrick Garland, okay, took the advice of the National School the National School Boards Association, and they were going after parents. You know, they, that's where they petitioned the FBI to put parents on a domestic terrorist list. That was the NSBA, the National School Board Association. So when you have a board member that has even those connections to that organization, is that who you want on your school board? So I think that when people are like, you guys are so mean, no, we're pointing out the truth. So it comes down to you have to know, and philosophically, you need to know politically where people are aligned because I think that's incredibly important. And we have to stand up to all of these organizations that, you know, these NGOs, non-government organizations that are literally taking over our government. They're advising our school boards, advising, you know, they have all of these trainings for commissioners and assessors and collectors. And they want to set the narrative and say, okay, we're going to put you in this box. Here's your box. Stay in your box. Mm-hmm. We need people that are free thinkers, that are independent and strong to say, I'm not getting in that box. I'm not getting in it. No, thank you. And that's what we have right now. And it's such a beautiful thing that so many school boards across the state, members of boards, are watching our board because it is a beautiful thing. It's like a butterfly. And so many people are inspired by our board coming out of this cocoon and saying, you know what, with the federal dollars that you're going to throw at us? And let me say this. There are people that are going to say, well, they rejected $8 million. Let me say something about that. $8 $8 million over a five-year period when they were asked to sign on the dotted line, none of the conditions of that grant were even available for review. 
$8 million with huge strings attached programs that you have to bring in as a district to get the money. And when that money runs out in five years, how do you keep those programs? You have to decide. And most of it's technology-based. Do we keep teachers or do we keep the technology? And so I think that you have to start, and that's what this board has done. If you can't answer their question, their attitude is first do no harm. And so, and they are so researched and so committed. And so I would just say for people that are listening, there's so much more than just voting for a name. There's voting records. There's videos of board meetings. You can go to board meetings. And and this is for the commission too. You have to engage to know what's happening. Well, so just because, you know, Aunt Joe Ellen likes somebody and, and they're super nice, yeah, most people on a board are nice. But are they really representing you the way you want to be represented? So, Well, I would highly encourage people to do... It's a short question. <laughs> well, but I would highly encourage people to, to be proactive and, and get involved and go to a commission meeting. And for the love of Pete... If you can't go, Dave Moppin has got a blog that you can read each and every time that there's a commission meeting, unless he can't make it for some reason. And I think those uh, those chances are few and far between because he is very on top of things. As a matter of fact, yeah, I've got the twenty fourth a meeting yeah. from the twenty fourth, a meeting from the twenty fifth, and 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 Dave does an exceptional job. And then we have the opportunity for those of you mm. who uh, who don't read the blog or you haven't subscribed to the blog, and I wish you would. To, uh, to discuss what it is that went on at the meetings here on The Daily Show. We have Dave on every Friday yeah. at 9.10, and we talk and discuss exactly uh, what happened and who was there and what was said. And he doesn't, he doesn't format it in such a way that he goes after people. He basically chronicles the meeting and then lets the reader decide uh, for themselves, you know, what, uh, what happened, if they like it, if they don't like it. But... Um, you know, sometimes, Stacy, it's just so tough to be able to light a fire under somebody to get them to go to a school board yeah. meeting or to get them to go to a Camden County uh, Commission meeting because, you know, they've got other things to do. They've got lives, and then normally this is, yeah. this is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in a debate among the citizens, and then it goes on social media, and then it's back and forth, back and forth. I know more about it than you do. No, wait, I know more about it than you do. And and then the the mudslinging and the name calling and you don't know what you're talking about and everything, right. and, and and that's right. a shame. That's a shame. And I and, and I would hope, and I would pray that a lot of people don't rely on the, uh, the things that they see on social media because so much of that yeah. is just generated through emotion. And you know somebody reads a comment yeah. uh, and 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 responds to it, or somebody starts their own post or their own thread. And then other people have to chime in and, and, and jump on. I don't know how many times I have started something that I thought was was rather mild-mannered and didn't really have any teeth to it. And here comes somebody <laughs> that comes out of nowhere that so, says something about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And it's like, I don't even know <laughs> where you yeah. where you picked up on this. I mean, it's just so ridiculous anymore. And uh, again, I would encourage people, encourage people to attend the meetings, encourage people to talk to the players and to find out what's going on. I mean, is there any reason why you can't pick up the phone and call uh, one of the commissioners? Is there a reason why you can't pick up the phone and call the prosecuting attorney? Is there a reason why you can't pick up the phone 
and call the members of the school board if you are in question at all about how they feel. And and I think certainly with uh, with something that's coming up on April the fifth, there would be people who would definitely be willing to talk to you. And I'm not yes. necessarily talking about the candidates and how they feel about things, but if there's an incumbent on the board who's uh, who, whose uh, position is going to be put out there for the people to decide on, I would imagine that person is going to want to be very vocal to tell you how they feel. Talk to the school board president. There are so many options out there. And we really don't want to just narrow it down to a couple of people going back and forth on social media. Of we, we want to, We want to be able to. 100%. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I 100% agree with you. And I think. And I'm going to say this. I mean, our new school board president, a lot of the old guard has a problem that she does respond to people on social media. She has nothing to hide, and a lot of people don't like that from the old guard. Many of us find it so refreshing because we have taken our issues to school board members over the years. We've taken our concerns. And you know what happens? Not one thing. You're put on the bad list. And I'm not kidding. That's where I've been for a long time, KB. Well, Because I dare try to advocate for my children. And so I think that the, the refreshing part is you can call, I'm sure, any of them. I know that there are four that would welcome a call. I don't know the other three in fairness, not to say they wouldn't. I'm sure they would as well. But I think that we have a really wonderful opportunity on Tuesday, April 5th. And I think that is to solidify the direction. That's a really good direction. And there are some amazing things that have happened in one year that none of us have seen in 10. And so I think that I would just really encourage people to, to look at the positive things that are happening. And for, for the little guys, you know, for the little guys in the district, meaning the kids, and for the people that have forgotten that are the engine right. that make everything else work. And they've been forgotten for too long, and for the first time, they're starting to get a voice. And they liter- and that's BGB, right. policy BGB. Those people are easy to discard and fire if they cross the line. Not anymore. And so I just, I applaud. Yeah our new school board. I love Dave Maupin. I got to give a plug. When I can't make a meeting, the first place I go is to mop to among the dogwood to right. Dave Maupin's right. blog, right. because you're right. His summary is concise. It's accurate. And he has got a real pulse because he's there every time almost. Well, and what an asset to our community. He absolutely. Is. Absolutely. Listen, we're up against the clock. I want to say thank you. I appreciate your time this morning as always. And thank you for, uh, uh, taking uh, taking some time to talk a little bit about what is uh, what is going on out there, and uh, again, we'll uh, we'll keep you uh, keep you in our thoughts, and uh, probably get you back on here again when uh, we've got another topic uh, that we think uh, that uh, you would be worth uh, worth talking to as far as uh, addressing uh, various things that go on. Uh, I want to thank all of my guests here, Jim Paisley, Stacy Shore. And certainly all of you wonderful listeners for being a part of the process here this morning as well. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, it is The Daily Show. We're back in your ears tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. with uh, news and information courtesy of LakeExpo.com and Lake TV. And we'll be talking with our good friend, the one and only Mr. Ike 